Welcome to the Rowing Revolution podcast with Barney Williams and Carlos Daenerys. We are committed to consistently having unfiltered conversations that will serve as a call to action for our community. For those that listen to the problem solver and the trailblazer, we believe Seth and Andrea demonstrated the incredible change that a person can achieve by being laser focused on a process. Today, we wanna to go deeper into the combination of the mental and physical actions that eventually create a set of habits to create positive change. In order to do this, we're gonna revisit some of our life experiences, including our unique interactions with Seth and Andrea, with the aim of using these to inspire our community to take action, to improve their life and the life of those around them. We're going into the conversation with the awareness that as Carla is sitting in the kitchen at Vashon Island, and as I'm sitting in the basement on Vancouver Island, you're pulling up a chair and joining us and you're listening in. And if anyone out there today feels like the conversation increased the heat of your fire within, or wants to hear more about something we shared today, we invite you to email us, therowingrevolution at gmail.com. So Carlos, as I reflect back on our conversation about Seth Wiles' time on Lake Samish, I'm struck by the willingness you had to take risks and do things differently. Nearly everyone I've spoken to about the problem solver has referenced the choice you made to prescribe 70 minutes at rate 38. And you noted and you told us that no, no one had ever done it before, but there always has to be someone who does it first. And then you referenced a number of occasions where you maybe sent Seth out after he was showing that he was quite tired and maybe was preferring to watch a movie. But you said, I think you can go. Are you feeling okay? You should go for a row. So what I want to do right now is let you take me inside your head and explain where that ability for you comes from to take these risks in order to help people become something that they maybe didn't believe they could be. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question, Barney. And a lot of times I, you know, I think what I do things like that and what I come up with that, and I think it goes back to, to the basics of who I am and how I became who I am. And, and, uh, and a big thing is my life experiences. You know, I, I, as I mentioned before, I, I went through difficulties in my life, you know, that shape who I am. And one thing that has, has developed very strongly on me, and I think it was when, you know, I had the accident and, you know, I was told I couldn't row at that moment in time. So think about like I'm, you know, I think I'm 20 at the time, and I'm obsessed about rowing. I'm I'm a, like obsessed. You know, it maybe it's not the right word. It's like I'm. It's my life is about rowing. Like somebody's life is about, you know, he wants to have kids and he cannot get pregnant. Or somebody's okay, well, life. Maybe just for a sec, take me then to what happened before the accident in terms of your day to day. When you talk about this, like what was your day to day looking like back then? Um, it, it, yeah, it was, it was, it was just, I'll go to school and then at school, I will be always thinking about rowing. Um, I write my journal and I was about how I can get better. I was just have my, uh, movies in my head of, of dreams. And, you know, I wanted to go to this race. I wanted to race at this level, you know, like any kid that, you know, maybe is rowing there, you know, he has this, this, he puts this imagination in his head of what he wants to become anyway. 
and and that's all I knew, you know, is when you're young, Barney, you don't have many life experiences. So everything is very simple. Right. So I, which is good because then you can do anything when it's simple. You know, I think as we get older, there is a lot of noise in our head and that's kind of drowning us. So I remember at that time of life, I was so young and I was so simple that it was pretty much going to school back and training. And I knew that if I train more and harder, then I'll get you know, I'll pass the people around me and I'll have opportunities. So that accident, what it does all of a moment is I wake up and I realize that my life has changed. So, so then what, what happens is, you know, I, I start feeling awful after it, as, as we mentioned on the episode before, and I start feeling, you know, a lot of pains, but also I cannot do what I want. So that makes me realize what it means to lose something that you take for granted. So when you're talking about the day-to-day, your 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 day-to-day was changed entirely and completely taken away from you. You you didn't go to school, you couldn't train. It was the it was the summer. So it wasn't school. It was I was training now to try to make the the world championships team. So right. it wasn't affected by school. But school was what everybody's doing. You know, I didn't question going to school. Like everybody goes okay. to school. I went to school. Like it was like, you know, you eat, you drink water. Like it's a fact. Like for okay. me, the rowing was my choice. And it was something I wanted for me. So it was the first thing in my life. I started drawing a different picture of everybody's drawing for me. I start drawing my own path, going away from the normal, you know, and 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 trying to, 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 to get differentiate into yourself. To differentiate yourself. To, to create an identity for yourself that was unique. And Correct. then, and yeah, then you yeah, used the word obsessive, right? You yes. used the word obsessive. For me, I hear the word passion when yeah. I hear that. Something that you cared more about than anything else. Yeah, so absolutely. And and I think a lot of people can refer to that in a moment of their life that, you know, they, they it's like something that makes you excited and something that you are getting out of bed. You know, the alarm goes off and you're just crazy to do it. So that's what I felt with rowing. So so then, so then like the accident happens and the first time in my life I feel something that I really want, I cannot have. Right. And, not, and then it's in my head, which is what's to me very powerful. I start realizing where, how much I took for granted. Right. How much that I had, I didn't value. How much that, it was normal was now not normal anymore. Like my health, you know, right. you're 20 or 21 and all of a sudden, like you, you are feeling really bad. You know, you, you, I was but, feeling but Car- really Carlos, good. Again, I think this is what I need to understand is when you're lying in the hospital bed, right? This isn't just like a couple days. There's a number of days you're in there. Move like there's a real sense of limitation or, 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 or change of, of what's possible. I mean, I was in the bed. I had my whole stomach was open. Like with, we, it, they have opened my whole stomach because it's a surgery in emergency that they don't go. It's not a little thing. And I had an IV because I, and, and I had, I, ca- I couldn't go to the bathroom at the beginning because it was all in tube. So it's, you, you need to remember, it's not that many people are in, you know, people go to the hospital and they get in situations like that. But my point is I was 21. Right. And I go from being perfect, feeling happy, feeling like I can break the world to that situation. But the most important thing is, 
And I don't think was what was hard to be at the hospital with all these tubes and, and my stomach open up. It was that I was realizing every day that they, and they were telling me I couldn't do something that my life was that. I was like, I lost, I lost the sense of why I was living for. I say, I want to row. And if I cannot row, I, I, it's worth it to live that obsessed about, I was about rowing. So, so then what happened there is that I think it changed who I am on the way of, I, I made a promise to myself. I say, you know, I want to feel good again. I want to row again. And, and that's why this obsessive behavior I heard develop on me about training more hours right. than anyone to be sure that I could not fail to myself. But then, since then, you know, what I realized is that it, it gave a meaning to my life of I, there is no time to waste. Right. I cannot waste a minute in my life. So, so every time, like, I mean, many times I'll go to bed uh, or I wake up or I'm like in a walk, walking the dock or or I'm, you know, like um, just looking at the ocean, you know, in a peaceful moment. And, and then I'll have this feel um, walking through me and it's repeatedly it comes often that I'm lying in bed and, you know, I'm in my last my last hours before I die. You know, I'm 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 dying like I'm old or, you know, I have right. you know a bad thing. Like everybody, we're all gonna die, Bonnie. You right. know, we're, that's all we know that right. we're all gonna die one day. So I'm in that moment, and then I, I somebody comes and say, "Hey, Carlos, here is you know this iPad with a two hours movie of your life." Wow. And then I, I, and then say, "You still, you know, you you have time to watch that movie." The last and two hours, you're going to last, spend. No, watching... I mean maybe I have five hours, but I have time for the two hours recording watch. Right. So. So it's two hours of my life from birth to that moment. Right. And then I press the play and I'm, I'm watching all my life go through phases. And then I have this feel that of happiness that as watching the movie, there is no moment where I feel I wasted my time. Right. There is no feel that I was just going through the motions of what society wanted me to do or what I was supposed to do to play it safe or to make other people happy. It was like, and, and that's a little who I am. Like, you know, sometimes people get put off by me, say, you know, this guy, he's crazy because he's just, he's not aware of what he's around him or, you know, he's disrespectful. Right. And the reason is I don't feel I'm disrespectful or not aware is I'm just living my own life because at the end of the day, and I and I understand, you know, that we live in society and all of that. But at the end of the day, I'm gonna die alone. But but let's just actually go to that iPad and just for me, when I listen to you talk about the iPad, I'm actually picturing now the moment of you in the hospital. That would be in the iPad, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then a change, amazingly, not just because you got a little older and and a little bit more uh, wiser but just a change in terms of how you lived your life. Like, like that really from that moment on, you have examples of, of, of your interactions with people, your interactions with the planet that is very, very pure. It's very, very obsessive in terms of no wasted time. Well, I think what, what happened is, and I developed that and I'm not aware is, and my passions keeps in drawing is that I feel then because of, of that way of looking at life, I, I have that way of connecting to people that is unreal. So, and that's where it starts the coaching. I feel like I'm in Spain, I'm a manager of the Rowing Federation, as I mentioned before, 
And then I, I, you know, there is coaches and I talk to the athletes that are training and I can feel them. And, and I can, and I, and I feel for them because I said, these people, you know, they're putting their life into trying to get to the next stage, you know, whatever is a world championships or trying to make the national team or try to go to the Olympics. And I feel like whole match, whole, whole, whole excited there about that. And I want to help them. And, and, and that honesty that I want to help them. And I really care about them. Each one of them. It doesn't matter who they are. Right. I just care about them. Then it makes them to open up to me and connect. And, and, and I really enjoy that interaction. So then a little is what calls me, you know, I will, I, the call to go to coaching. I said, I really, th there is two things that made me go into coaching. One is that strong connection I feel with people yeah. that are excited about something. Right. And I want to help them. I want to do everything I can to make them succeed in my side. And the second thing is that I don't want them to go through what I went through. That I went alone and nobody does there for me. And and also, I hear in you this belief that you can help them. I think I think that's like almost that you must help them, yeah. right? That that's your responsibility is because you know what you know. You need to share that. You have to transfer yeah. that knowledge to them, and hopefully they don't have to go through an accident like you did to have that sense of urgency and that sense of opportunity make something of this moment yeah and, and it's interesting because at the beginning when i go into coaching i don't know much you know i'm 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 a very intuitive person and very creative but i don't know much but then when i decide to go into coaching because i love it and it was all amateur no pay it was all free um coaching on the way of um, I, I didn't need to respond to any organization or anyone. It was just me and the athlete, you know, or volunteer coach that I did at the University of Washington that wasn't paid. So whoa, at the whoa, time whoa, I decided whoa, whoa. to... Oh, no, 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 I'm not, we're not letting you just skip over that story. That story, you're telling me right now, I think if I recall correctly, you've never really done any coaching credentials, right? You had not done any coaching courses, but you had this energy from within that said, I want to coach. And then yeah. you ended up, Moving to Seattle, uh, you had a young family and you were in transition in terms of different employment opportunities. So you sat there with some time on your hands and you were taking a walk and you ended up at the University of Washington Boathouse. Yeah. What happened there? I, you know, this is, so, you know, now you bring me back. I'm, yeah, we moved to Seattle back to, from Bellingham. Um, I'm disconnected from rowing. And then I never seen a university boathouse in my life. Right. I I never um I never seen anything like that. So I I get I walk there, I think um, you know, for some reason I, I get to, to the boathouse and I, I cannot believe like the size, you know, we mentioned that. So so I said, I, I wanna be part of that. I, I you know, like I, I feel like an attraction, I wanna see it what it is. Didn't you email the, didn't you talk to the women's coach or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so the, the, women's, the women's coach is there at the time. And that's 2000 and, 2006 or 2000, 2006, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, or 2000, end of 2005. Her name is Eleanor um, McVlain. And then she is walking her dog outside. I cannot walk in because, you know, you are now, you know, I, I, I just, I'm nobody. I, 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 
I don't know anyone there. So I asked her, you know, like I said, hey, I'm, I don't speak much English at the time. I say, hey, I'm Carlos Dinares from Spain. I, you know, I, I, I've been in rowing all my life. I organize a world championships. I, I would love to, to, to have a relationship with this place. I would love to do something here. I'm not looking for a job. I just want to help somewhere. Right. Like I want to be here. I, you know, there is a calling for me. And then she tells me, she, she, I think she thought, oh, there is another like, you know, crazy guy that is coming to bother us or whatever. She says, okay, you know, I, I gave her my phone and, uh, and she said, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to the other coaches and call you, whatever. And she never calls me back. Right. Never. Right. But you know, I'm, listen, I never, if I want something, I'm not going to stop. So I, I figure out that, you know, that didn't work. So when I organized the world championships in Banyolas, um, I had to take party a lot of the times with FISA because, you know, as anything, you know, the politicians were putting the money and the politicians, as soon as the world championships are coming to Banyolas, I'm the executive director, they're telling me, okay, we want the bid, typical of politicians. We want right. the bid, we have the event, now right. they are forced to come Yeah, where they, they bring, they say, bring me the budget. And I bring the budget, okay, these were not doing it. These were not doing it. These were not doing it. And I say, what do you mean we're not doing it? Say, no, we don't have enough money for that, 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 and that. And I say, well, you sign a contract with FISA. Right. And you said you will do that. And this, you know, FISA as an organization expects us to do that. And my word is here with right. FISA and Matt Smith. And then, and then they look at me and say, listen, this is not our problem. This is your problem. Like, Okay. You know, this is what we're going to do anyway. So long story short, I, um, I, I side with FISA and rowing because that's the people I care, rowing and the rowers. So I side with FISA and I kind of force them to put that money. I Three times uh, the politicians wanted to my, my head to be cut and, <laughs> and, and be fired. And some people defended me and I, eventually I don't get um, fired and I don't get um, executed. But Matt Smith takes note of that because he's aware of that and he realizes that I, you know, I could have, you know, do my job, be correct and just don't care about FISA or the rowers and don't have any problems. And, and again, again, Matt Smith being the guy that saw you drive overnight to get the bid to the FISA committee uh, in time and then make photocopies for three hours in the city center. Yeah. So there's a relationship here and this gets cemented in terms of that moment in Banyolas, when you have to say to your leadership, we are going to do this. This yeah. is not well, a discussion. Was, it, was in, it was integrity. It's again, yeah. you know, I had an accident and I decided I'm going to do what is important. Right. And I care about people. Right. So if my employer is telling me that he's going to do something because he just wants to do it because he's benefiting for him, but he's breaking the contract, I'm going to fight against okay. it. You know, okay. and, and, and again, the only reason I was doing that job is because I wanted to have the rowers to enjoy Banyolas and have a huge, a perfect event like in 92. It wasn't, I wasn't in an, in an agenda to try to promote my professional career. I was just maybe naive. Everybody does that. Maybe that's the right thing to do. I, and again, I think, I think time. what I'm hearing uh, very powerfully is this word that sometimes misunderstood obsessive. So you are a bit obsessive. You want to create in 2004 a similar experience as the Olympics in 1992. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not just about the non-Olympic world. It's not just about another event. It's a, an amazing event. And, and that's the passion, though. 
the passion yeah, and, you and have. FISA, and FISA wanted that. FISA gave us the event because they 92 was a success and right. they wanted to give right. that to to the juniors and to the non-olympic events they wanted this they felt that that course is a gift of the gods you know like lucerne and is a very special place that they wanted to revive that again to the rowing community and then i said we're not gonna we're not gonna destroy the event because some people want to save money when they're throwing the money in something else right you know for for things that so, you know so <laughs> i brought you into this so i've got to get you out of it sorry needs to uh, move along here. So Matt Smith, how does Matt Smith fit into Carlos walking into the University well, of Washington? Well, then he tells Boathouse. me when I, when, I, when I do that for, for fees and all that, you know, and I decide after 2004, I'm, I'm with my wife at the time that is American, we're going back, we're going to the USA and start a new life. He sends me a letter thanking me for all my work, a personal okay. letter. And then okay. in the letter said, if there is anything I can do for you in the future, personally, let me know and I'll wow. try to help you. So he okay. said that in a letter that I still have. So anyway, I'm in, in Seattle and, 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 you know, and I email Matt Smith and I say, listen, you know, this is Carlos. Um, it, some months have passed and I really want to get to this ball house. And, um, and I don't know anyone and I just don't know how to get there. And I don't want to hear a no for answer. Right. Because they already told me no. So, so Matt Smith say, oh, I'm a, I'm really good friend with Bob Ernst. Okay. And Bob Ernst was the men's coach at the time. I talked to the women's coach. So, so Matt Smith somehow, um, I don't know what he does, but I'm one day uh, driving back from taking uh, Jordan to school and I get a phone call. And then I say, this is Carlos. And he say, hey, um, this is Bob Ernst. And then I say, hello. He say, can you be tomorrow here at 11 a.m.? Right. And I never talked to Bob Ernst. I don't know. You know, I don't. I, I, he, he say, yes, absolutely. I, you know, I'm, I'm free. Okay. I'll wait for you tomorrow here at 11 a.m. So I, I go to, um, I go the next day at 11 a.m. I'm, again, I'm not speaking much English. And then, uh, and then, you know, Bob uh, brings me to his office. We talk for five minutes about, you know, rowing and you know Bobby was the coach of the women's aid that won the olympics in 84 wow and for the u.s so he he has you, a lot of not yeah, just sorry, university just, of washington just, you know bob ernst's name right i mean obviously i i remember going down bob ernst was this figure wasn't he, yeah. he was the face of university of washington rowing because he would uh host all these regattas and he would stand yeah. in front and have this beautiful energy about him he was passionate about rowing yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's all he did all his life. So anyway, so he gets me there. He calls Michael Callahan, who is the freshman coach, who started coaching at Washington after the Olympics in 2004. And uh, so that's 2006. So he's been the freshman coach for two years. And then he tells Michael Callahan, uh, Carlos is going to be tagging along with you. And uh, Michael Callahan is looking at me, you know, <laughs> Who, who the hell is that guy? You know, he doesn't speak English. He's gonna talk to me. I have an agenda. I don't know what I'm gonna do with this guy. But he says to you know, he says to Bob, okay, I'll uh, okay, I'll I'll that. So you know, that's that's how I get to to UW. It wasn't uh, you know, it, it, it you know, but I, but I, I, I was. But, but again, Carlos, just to be finishing this story off, as I understand it, you go out with Michael Callahan for a couple of weeks in the coach boat. Yeah. And and I, and he is sort of trying to understand you. Maybe. And, and listen, the first boat I see and that's I want to mention that because you're Canadian. The first boat I see on the water is um, a four with Will Crowders on with um, 
you know, who was the other? Um, there were Max, two or three. Max Lang was down. There. Max Lang was there, and another Canadian. So, I I was like, and you know, they were medalists at Junior World, so they were good rowers. Right. So I I fell right away. There is good rowing here. I mean, that was legit uh, freshman rowers. You know, they right. were world medalists, Canadian rowers. So I I right away I felt this is not a this college rowing thing is is professional. This is serious. So I right. I right away got attracted to it. But then you ride in the coach boat for two weeks. And at this point, I mean, Michael Callahan is starting to kind of develop his philosophy, right? I think he said he was coaching the freshman. Yeah. Right. He was the freshman coach, so, yeah. so that's a tough role because he's got to be obviously working with the head coach and he's busy. He's got a lot yeah, of yeah. responsibility. And he already, and he has an assistant coach uh, as a volunteer assistant coach. So he, like, I'm there as an extra, you know, there is nothing for me to do. But, you know, so then after two weeks, he tells me, you know, like in, in his mind, he said, okay, you know, I done my job. I clear up my checkpoint with Bob Ernst. He says, okay, you, you're out of here. No, you, there is nothing else. You already seen what college rowing is. It's been nice to meet you. And then I remember, I look at his eyes. I say, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be here for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and as the story goes, um, you end up having some great experiences there, right? I mean, I, I talked to my uh, good friend, Rob Gibson, and, and he says, oh, I know Carlos and Conlon McCabe, and he knows oh. Carlos. And, and, and so you got some very significant time at University of Washington. I mean, I, I cannot thank enough uh, Michael Callahan for giving me, because as he warmed up with me, he gave me opportunities. The people I met, at University of Washington, the the experiences I had at University of Washington, the 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 things I learned at that program, and again, you know, I bet if I was in California, it would be with Cal. If I was in Boston, it would be with Harvard, Northeastern, BU, MIT, whoever. I, it doesn't matter, you know. I was in Seattle, and that was the program, and and Michael Callahan who is um, a, a very intense coach, he was exactly what I crave. You know, I crave intensity on the way of somebody who will do anything he can to win. You know, that's in my head. That's what I crave. I crave performance. So, so, so now, I, we, I, now we have the iPad, Carlos. <laughs> I, I, I can picture this iPad sitting on your lap in your last, not two hours, five hours, we're saying. So this scene is replaying now, and you're pretty happy watching it replay on the iPad. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, I, that, I'm I'm laughing. I'm I'm saying this is the best thing I did. Like, if Matt Smith could have done something for me, that was worth a thousand. So because it was, it changed my life. He just listen. I arrive in America. I don't speak the language. I don't understand the culture. I don't have a job. I started a business on the summers, but I don't have a job during the day, so I have free time. And I cannot connect to people because the cultures are so different and I cannot speak the language. So all of a sudden, I find this avenue through rowing that we, you know, Callahan, that I was talking to, or the coaches and me had one goal clear. It was, how do we get the boat to the finish line first? So we had a common goal that was performance. So it didn't matter if you were from Spain, from India, from Canada, from the US, from Africa. It doesn't matter. It's right. about rowing. And, and that helped me so much. I, I learned so much about, I mean, I, it, it helped me to integrate in, into America in a much smoother way. And, and again, for me now, we're starting to, I hope, uh, align our energy around this idea of what we talked about at the start which is creating a set of habits. So your habit 
from the accident moving forward was no wasted time. I don't take no for an answer. If there's something I care about, if there's something I want to do, I'm going to find a way to do it. Yeah. I mean, with, yeah, yeah, I, I, so this is, this is, you know, I'm looking at the iPad and I'm looking at those scenes and it's interesting you mentioned that because when I'm in a moment where I'm feeling I'm wasting time or I'm doing something I don't want to do, I panic. Yeah. Like I, I, I have an anxiety comes through me and say, you need to get out of that or you need to stop doing that. Or you, you, what are you doing? It's like, a, a, you know, when, when you go to the starting line that you, you are like nervous and you start sweating or, or when you're about to be in an interview of a job or something and you get that adrenaline, that's what happens. No, it happens to me in a negative way. I have this very uncomfortable feel of, 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 of just going through the motions that that's, and then it brings me back to the accident and, and, to, and to those process I made to myself. And I try to explain that to people. I said to people, when I see people, you know, not doing things they like, I say, you, you know, like you, you, you have to find a better way. Like, you know, you, you have to, you have to visualize. And I, for me, visualization is big, Barney. Right. Because visualization has allowed me to, to, to project what I want to do with my life and um, into action. So, you know, a lot of is comes and I'm not expecting it, but the, the, but is, is, is I'm a dreamer, you know? So, so one of the things with, with university of Washington, when I go there is like, now I'm visualizing, I'm, I'm helping people. I'm talking to Cruz. I'm talking right. to Callahan. I'm helping them with that. And then I'm connecting to people and I go back happy, you know? And, and, and again, it goes back to, to what you were at Lake Samis, you know, why I made, you know, what was that question you asked me about Lake Samis and Seth? Well, exactly. Uh, it's this idea that somehow you felt, we talked a lot about this in terms of the responsibility you felt to Seth, right? Because Seth came to you with a problem and you agreed to help him solve that problem. But the issue that you faced at that moment is you couldn't do it. There's nothing you could do in terms of get on the boat with him. I mean, you rode beside him. So you had to prescribe actions for him. Right. And you prescribed actions for him that you'd never done, that you'd never seen anyone else do before. So that's what I'm hearing about your visualization is somehow, forgive me if I'm, I'm, I'm going too deep on this, but my sense is you wanted to look at the iPad and you wanted to see Seth on the iPad and you want to say, I did the right thing for him. I gave everything to him. That's what I'm sensing was driving you in terms of your decision making at Lake Samish. With Seth, well, and 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 what I felt with Seth is he comes in that moment, and and we talked about that where he I won't say the word desperate is maybe the right one, but it, it just I think there is some um, something to say about it. Like it's his last bullet. He's put a lot of work, and he's not where he wants to be, and he wants to make his last chance. So I feel like it's my chance. I can be pure with him, right? Like nobody's paying me. He wants to be fast. And I, I, and then that's the thing, you know, it, go, it takes me back to that moment where I'm obsessed about, you know, I have to help Seth to get where he wants to go. And I feel that strength within me of zero fear of failure, because I think the failure 
is to don't bring him to where he wants to go. And for that, I have to do something different. I feel he's tried already to right. work with people that are really smart, that have used training programs that work with, with other people, but haven't worked with him. And I say, I really need to analyze deep what Seth needs. And I need to go back to my knowledge and everything I learned. Because again, you know, when I go to University of Washington, I start so fascinating about that, that I become obsessive about learning. Right. And I'm all the time talking to coaches, going into videos, and, and then, you know, having the chance to interact with the rowers of the na different national teams, learning about the training programs. I'm just absorbing information, absorbing information. So I have a lot of good data. And then I say, now I need to put all that library of data, all that information into into my into into how I can help Seth. So I need to analyze where he's at and what needs to be done. So that which, which, of which no Carlos, Carlos, that sounds like a very uh, relatable experience. I, I mean, for me, you beg, borrow, and steal information, right? Yes. There's great people out there that have great ideas. All we need to do is just go and find them and talk to them. Correct. The difference, though, and the responsibility I feel right now is to understand you didn't just copy you you didn't just you know patch together all these different ideas you innovated you you tried something that's never been done before and i and I, and i don't know if you have an answer for that but for me that's what's fascinating is the idea that 70 minutes at rate 38 we've talked to everybody in our community nobody has ever done that workout before so we have i can't sit here and say, okay, Carlos, you, you got that when you were talking to the Olympians um, in, in, in your journey as a coach or as an administrator as running the regatta. Like you never came across that workout. So, so what's the process for you? Are you sitting there and, and you've got a piece of paper and you're, 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 you're drawing up the plan? And, and I, I just, I, I don't know if you can remember goes, that. It, it goes back to the basics. It goes back to the basics that, first of all, I'm working with an individual not a group. And that individual has a desire and I put myself in his skin and I see myself with that desire when I was younger. And then that individual has a problem that he's not achieving what he wants because he hasn't worked for him. So then the basics are study him. Right. Study exactly what his problem is right. and don't go through the motions of what everybody's doing, giving him a training program. And if he doesn't achieve, you're not good enough. Right. Study him and break down the problem and look for a solution. And that solution, nobody knows it because there is only one Seth and there is only one uh, problem like the Seth has. Right. So of course I have to innovate because you know, I, I'm not coaching 20 people and then I put a training program and it's going to work for 15 out of the 20 and the other five are out. I'm coaching with one individual. So if I don't find a way to help him, it's a zero over 100. So then my mind is already working different. I'm obsessing about what exactly he can do. So I'm, it's all trial error. I'm trying different ways. I'm, I'm going to what I know, but I'm trying things. So in a moment... When I said he's doing all, a, a, a regular coach will have said, okay, if I want to do um, coordination at high rates, 
let's start at 28 or 26 and build to 38 slowly. Right. So a normal coach or a regular person or rational rational would have said, I'm going to build the rate slowly and I'm going to build the time slowly. Right. And then I went directly to 70 at 38, not doing any of that. Right. The reason I did that was because I was looking for two things. And I said already the 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 70 minutes came because we were doing always 20 kilometers on the water yeah. or on the earth yeah. and it's around that time it's a little more right and i love the number 70 because it's more than an hour but it's not too long <laughs> sure okay and and and, and another thing i like about the 70 is that you have to make peace with yourself because you cannot power through 70 minutes right. it's too much in your head okay. thinking and then the 38 is because that's a good stroke rate for a race, correct? It's not too low, it's not too high. So at 38, you can win the Olympics at 38. You know, yeah. you don't need to go at 42, you don't need to go at 32. So that's how I came up to the two numbers. Then I said, what's the positive of doing this workout? Is that Seth is going to be 70 minutes moving really quickly, so he's going to get a benefit of, 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 of speed movement. So it's positive. It's, it's not like something I'm doing for you know my ego or for or for just you know because nobody's done it. And I said 70 minutes rowing at 38. If he does it, there is a lot of positives. Right. But the other one was the challenge. Right. And I could tell him nobody's done that. Right. And I could say, we're gonna do it together. And I said, I believe, and that's where the win was. I told him because at this time he trusts me. I said, I look into his eyes and I said, I believe you can do it. And I believe he could do it because of the training he's done to the time. I believe he could do it. It was risky. Absolutely. But again, it came from my heart. So even if he stopped, I could have said, listen, Seth, you know, we're going to do it again tomorrow. I think you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine you would have done it again tomorrow because you would say, that you learn something and let's apply that learning. What did we figure exactly. out? And it's exactly, and it's always that positive. It's always like turning the negative into a positive, into a learning experience. So what I learned in my life that, you know, is, is been a little, you know, up and down in some ways is that I always turn the negatives into positives. The, the hurt and the struggles have been hard, you know, I've been through, you know, more hurts than just the accident, you know, other experiences right. and uh, personal experiences and, and, and always is, is, is put me down to the ground in my knees and, and it's put me to a place where I didn't know how to get out of it. And I was drowning, but I figured out how to get out of there and I learned lessons. And then, you know, I always thought that, you know, if a rower wants to go fast, I have to help him to avoid the frustration of not achieving his dream and is doing everything I can to make him to get there. So that failure in a workout or that failure that he could say that thing, you know, wasn't good. I say, we tried, Seth. We, I tried with everything I had and I did that and it wasn't the right choice maybe, you know. You know what? But I did it with all the you know, with all the focus on improving you. And, and I think that's what threw me to do things that, that were un, unheard, but I think it gave him advantages. And you they know, were all rational. You know, I thought about them. The, the, the word courage is going through my mind a lot um, because the idea of having the courage to take a risk, you know, 
I remember Andrea, do you remember her talking to yeah. us about her belief that actually one of the most courageous things an athlete can do is quit? Yeah. And, yeah. and I just remember working with her and everything you're saying now is really, I think, consistent with what you and I have shared is a responsibility to not play it safe and in so doing, not let someone have a chance to reach their potential, right? That's the biggest mistake that can be made for, the, for, for both of us now as parents with our young children. We just want them to feel that it's okay to take a risk. It's okay to, to, to shoot for the stars and end up hitting the moon. But, yeah. if, but what you're saying is that if on the iPad that you're watching these two hours flash back and there's too many moments, or for you, if there's any moments where you didn't take a chance, where you didn't give everything you had to something, that that would be the most painful thing. The, the, the pain of of failing, the, the pain of losing a race, the, the, the pain of, um, you know, a struggling moment financially does not compare to the pain of watching that iPad at the end of the day. Well, again, at the end of the day, you know, we come with nothing and we live with nothing. And if, if of course, the, you know, Olympic medals, money, success, um, you know, it's all relative. You live with nothings, uh, Barney. So you're going to die. You can put all the gold chains you want around your neck. You know, it's, you're rotten. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. So to me, it's all relative to, to, you know, really like the success in life is the iPad. Is looking back and have done what was important for you. So what you really wanted to do with your life. And I think a lot of people, and, and that's why I'm so fascinated with athletes because they dream of going to the Olympics or they dream of, of, of improving and it's no monetary. It's, no, it's, it's just something they want to do and they're going to work really hard. And that's why I, I am fascinating about, about helping athletes or, you know, and, and about helping people to well, achieve their dreams. And, and that's what it was with Andrea, right? Yeah. With, with Andrea, at 27 years old, she quit her job. Yeah. So there's no way that this was a monetary decision. If anything, it was a bad monetary decision. Yeah. But it was this... I, and I remember she talked about being an adventurer and, and, and wanting to have a story to tell. And so for me, those seven years where she fought and scraped and clawed her way through adversity and, and through incredible difficulty, it's, it's, it's some minutes on the iPad that I think she's going to be really proud of. And even when she said the, the, the gold medal, you, you, you said it, we don't get to take that with us. That's the frosting. You know, it's the degree from the university when you graduate as a student athlete. You don't take that with you. You take those experiences. You take those moments of getting in the boat with somebody, as you said, and uniting for one single reason, to, to win the race. Yeah, and I, and I think that's, that's the thing that young people, like now, you know, that I went through more, young people don't see that much, you know, they... They, they are focused on the material things on, you know, I need to get that job. I need to go to this college. I, you know, the, the things that they are tangible, I need to, they put pressure on themselves about achieving things that at the end of the day, you know, even let's say you want to go to a college and you don't end up there. I think the, the, it doesn't matter the college you go. It's about that you want to do something. And if you don't end up the lessons you learn, 
and how hard you work for that because other things are going to open up and 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 that's the problem a lot of people you know i feel like we 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 get put down and then we think the whole world is collapsing and the reality is a huge new opportunities are rising you don't know what it is you know you don't know yeah. what are you going to do but that's that's where you 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 have to find the the strength and and uh, and and you see it later, you know. And and again, you know, I, I don't want to generalize because everybody has their life and has their problems. And I'm not trying to to lecture you, Barney, here in anything. As you said, in my case, I have that 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 thing inside that one says one thing says I want to be pure. And if I'm helping somebody, I'm going to help him with everything I have, and not because it's not good for my agenda. I'm going to move away. You know, there is a lot of people out there that operate that, you know, if, if it doesn't help then they don't help somebody. And and I think that to me, you know, I I grow so much by helping others that bring me positive energy and, and, and excitement. And the second thing is, you know, that not fear of failure because I failed and all I did from my failures is learn. So, you yeah. know, and if I if I don't if I don't try something new, I'm going to fail by not trying. No, and, and I'm sitting here right now, Carlos, you know, in the basement of, of the house on Vancouver Island with lots of noise above me um, and, and just a tremendous gratitude for the fact that you and I have found each other at a time where I think we can help each other. And I think we can help each other help others. Um, you know, hearing today for me about your experiences, I, I, I'm motivated by that. I'm, I'm lifted up by that. I'm, I'm excited by the fact that we have an opportunity to help others. Um, I, I don't know where you wanna go with this. I mean, I, that's the tricky part with Seth and Andrea very generously sharing their experiences with us. But I think it's just keep bringing these experiences forward, right? And just using them and just letting everybody know that whatever you think is tough and whatever experience you think may be overwhelming and and impossible to get past there's somebody else there that's been through that and 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 maybe they can share their experience and help you but we're sitting here right now saying we'll just keep talking right and we'll just keep sharing these experiences because it feels in my mind like making a difference i i, I absolutely sit here today with you and believe your vision of the ipad for one person out there is going to be a game changer it's going to be a game changer it, it, it makes sense don't waste heartbeats. There's none to be wasted. You have to use every one. Or don't or don't over amplify what is not that important. Like you 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 might put all the things into this is what happened to me. You you think everything is because of that and it's not it's not that bad, you know, but you have to look at the big picture and I think the iPad what helps me every time is one is to don't waste time. And second is to do it for myself. Like mm. I feel like is 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 I have to I have to be sure I'm happy. And of course I have to make the people around me happy. But I, the first one to make people around me happy that needs to be happy is me. Yeah. And the first one needs to be satisfied with how I'm living my life. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna project all that around me. And and that's something that you know like I think that that visualization of. Um, being present on the moment and understanding that there mm. is an end to a life and then that there is a, a look back and then there is a journey. I, I, I just I just panic when I think getting to 
to death and looking back and feeling like you have missed out life. And, and that to me is very strong. And that's why um, I guess I feel so happy when I help others to, to improve in rowing because they are like little kids happy for getting that candy but for them is a bigger candy and and seeing their face of satisfaction when they achieve oh, what they want Carlos the competition right when you see like this is the point about the iPad is there's going to be chapters right and you and I have a different chapter we're living right now we're living this place of kind of supporting our parents supporting our children right there's a lot of things here that ultimately the sun shined on us long enough you said in Spain yeah. it shines on you all the time. You had to leave. It was too much sun, right? The point is that we're now sitting there watching the youth, watching the young people, and just saying, go for it. Just give yeah. her. Because yeah. competition brings out this incredible energy. I'm sorry. I'm going there tonight because, or last night because it was so cool, Carlos. Our son, Tate, he's 10 years old. They're playing a basketball game. Their team is all hockey players. So they kind of get moved up a division because they're too competitive for the 10-year-olds. So they're playing in the under-13 division. These kids are all about six inches taller because they're all growing at different rates. These kids are fighting and scraping and clawing for the ball. The go game goes into overtime. Tate's sitting there. Um, well, he actually ends up sitting there. But in the game, he, he's so excited. He fouls somebody. And he gets fouled out of the game. He has to go sit on the bench. And he's in tears. He's crying. Because he knows he can't do anything, but he wants to win. He wants his team to win so much. So he's sitting on the bench and I'm watching the tears flow down and bless the coach for giving him the rub on the back and saying, it'll be okay. It's, it's 10 year old basketball. And then the team runs down and they get a buzzer beater. They score with two seconds left to win the game. And Tate runs off the bench and he's hugging his friends. And he's, he's in this moment of hysteria of like joy. And it's simply because he had the opportunity to compete. Yeah. And you look at the other team and you realize the other team doesn't feel so good. But they're going to come back hungry because they want to do it again. You know, there's another game to be played. It's an infinite game. We just keep competing. We keep getting chances. I, I Again, I don't know where today is going to land with others, but I know for you and I, this is pure. This is what it's about. It's about bringing our full self to every conversation and really being genuine about helping people and i hear that in you you helped seth but ultimately you helped seth help himself right i helped andrea help herself and both of them are going on and living these amazing lives now there's no end point the ipad doesn't stop until no. you stop so i don't know do you see anything coming now like what are the what, what's what's next in your mind on the ipad Can, you talk about visualization what do you see what's going to be on that ipad next well, I'm living the moment. I'm I'm not projecting to the future. What I know is I have a, I'm surrounded by a three and five years old, and uh, and as fascinating, I I I I just get challenged every day. But I just you know I I'm just trying to do everything I can to build to shape them into 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 being able to take care of themselves and being able to 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 enjoy life. I want to hear them that they are happy. They are going to have challenges, they're going to have problems, but I want them to be prepared for life. And the first hard thing I need to do is, you know, every time they want to watch TV or get on the iPad, and that's the easy path for me, I say no. And there is still. You, know, you know what we say? I know what you're going to do now. You say you get to watch the iPad in 75, 80 years from now. That's when you get the iPad. Until then, just live 
and then you'll yeah. see it all on the iPad. Exactly. <laughs> but you, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, Barney, you you got the point, and um, and I think we're simplifying things. Things are not simple, but I think there is a there is a good point on 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 the conversation today. Is that everybody, everyone of there, is gonna die. Everyone out there is gonna have lived a life the way um, is lived, and hopefully many of them had the chance to steer it in a different direction if they weren't happy the way it was going or they had some action or they 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 did something for themselves and and that's uh, you know what i did and and the people right. i you know and i want to be in the ipad of the people i touched correct right i want to be i mean this a lot to us but i wish on the two hours of set i have at least 20 or 10 seconds or two seconds because that's a success because yeah. only you know, I mean, so of course, there are going to be good and bad things, but I hope I come up with like a good thing on his iPad, you know, and I think that makes me that makes me happy. I'm pretty sure the 70 minutes at rate 38 is going to come up on his iPad. <laughs> yeah, maybe, just... maybe with you sitting in the chair, you know, just yeah. saying you can do it, Seth, you can do it. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, today we we set out to do something very, very special. Uh, Carlos, we wanted to go deeper. And, and I think we did that. And, and the only thing I'm hearing that I'm really excited to sort of suggest is we know that you can keep taking action. It, it never, uh, until that last breath, you can do something. You can do something. So it doesn't matter. As long as you've learned from the past, tomorrow is a new day, you know, and you hear this over and over again, but the sense of what steps, what actions can we take? And, and I'm going to be very clear and say, for me today, it was about listening to you I, I, I learned something for sure. So what are those steps? You know, just, you talked about the basics, but really what do you walk away from with those experiences with Callahan at Washington and with Seth at Lake Samish and with Mike Smith, or sorry, Matt Smith um, at the at the Vaniola's World Championships or in Lausanne, you know, or the accident. What are the steps, Carlos? I mean, as simple as you can, what do people have to do to get off the couch and do something? I think I think what they have to do is the first thing they have to do is realize that they are living their life and their life is interconnected to many things, their family, their job, their obligations, but they are living a life that is terminal and they have to dig in and say, I am happy. I'm happy with my health. I am happy with my job. I am happy with my relationships. I am happy. My life has a meaning. And then, uh, of course, you know, they're going to find many challenges. You know, many people are going to be feeling, well, I cannot exercise because I'm too busy. And then they need to figure out how to fix that. Because if you're not healthy, you know, what's the point of, of living? You know, maybe they need to leave their job and say, well, if I leave my job, I can get healthy, but I cannot pay the bills. Well, maybe you need to cut um, expenses or maybe you need to cut down on, on, on how you work so you have more time to take care of yourself. That's very easy. But again, you know, like at the end of the day is what I did. I said what's important to me and I, I tried to, 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 to stay or to stick with that. And I think there is a balance between money and health and everyone has to decide how they want to leave that balance. And there is a, a balance between money and happiness not success, ego, or proving that you are better, you know? And for some people, that's important. Not for me. For me, when I die, I don't care if I wrote 
I'm the most important engineer in the world or not, or my 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 name is in a in a rock because I'm the best scientist or the best lawyer or I fix whatever. I will do it because it helps others, not for my ego. And and I think that's you know that's hard because then you give up essentially. Um, you know, you give up essentially that thing of make us to be superior to others. But to me, it's more important that I live my life and I'm happy and I take care of the things that are important for me, that I feel superior to others because at the end, when I'm dying, that's not going to help me and it's not going to give me anything, you know, I, or if I have a lot more money than somebody so, else. So what I, what I hear you saying, and, and, and I, I feel very comfortable summarizing it because you and I have spent so much time together and and I feel like we, we really are connected now, is that figure out what you want on that iPad. Figure out what you want to see back and then make sure that's what's on the iPad. And for you, what's on the iPad is flashes of helping people. Flashes of using rowing to help people learn about themselves, to help them achieve their goals. And that's why I know you bought the Rowing Revolution domain name is because you believed that there's another chapter for this sport. There's, there's a special quality of this sport that is ahead of us. We don't know what it's gonna lead to. Carlos, we know it could be out of the Olympics soon, right? We know that it's changing, but we know that there's a place for rowing. And we know there's people that have experienced something in rowing that has been transformative and has set them up for a life well, well lived, right? Yeah. And, and that's the energy that I just, believe both of us want to share i think that's why we're calling it a revolution because we're not focusing on the results right we're not sitting there saying you need to get these success stories the person in the 5v8 at harvard with jordan now i don't know if jordan's going to be in the 5v8 but the point hopefully is hopefully not hopefully <laughs> the point is they're going to have an experience they're going to have a moment that's going to pop up on their ipad aren't they yeah and that's no, I, I, well said barney and and i think you you nailed it is about what everyone wants to see on the iPad. And I'm nobody or nobody's anyone to tell people how they want to live their life. Each one has to decide for themselves. And I'm happy that I decided for myself and I'm, I'm living to what is important to me. And I know what makes me happy and I know what makes me to feel fulfilled. And I know what makes me to go to bed and feel like I am following you know the the path i want to follow and and i think that you know to share that to other people like if, if we can help somebody to to realize you know that he needs they need to be thinking more about how they're spending their time and on they don't really know where they're going or they don't really know what they want of their life and it makes them think about that in a positive way that's huge yeah i agree i agree and my feeling is that with seth and andrea we've revealed the power of stories. We've revealed yeah. the power of life experiences and how we can learn from each other. And so our commitment is to bring more of those stories to our community. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is, you know, there is so many fascinating people out there. There is so many uh, people that do amazing things for others and for themselves. And I think we, you know, listening at that is inspiring. I, 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 I grew by listening at others, you know, by 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 hearing, by by asking questions, like not just alone into myself. You know, I've been surrounded by some amazing people that have inspired me and they haven't um, 
show me the path. And I'm just, you know, I, I just change a little because I'm me and, and my path is going to be different than your path. But the, 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 the people I've been surrounding and the lights I've seen through these people allowed me to help Seth and allow me to, to help other rowers. And, and looking back, I, you know, I, I feel so much, you know, so much power from those experiences. Why don't we leave it there today? And again, just reiterate the idea that I think if someone had a moment today where they got fired up by something they heard, really excited, they want to hear more, they want to share anything with us, then they can, they can send it to us, right? The rowing revolution at gmail.com. And we're going to do this again next week. Yeah. Sounds good, Bonnie. Talk to you soon, Carlos.